Yep. All right. If you're joining us online, we're so thankful that you're with us tonight. Uh, as always, Richard's uh, online with you to be a blessing in any way he can. So if you have any questions, uh, Richard's there to answer them for you. But let him know you're there. Say hi. Uh, just, uh, just be involved as you can. And uh, we want to be a blessing to you. The bottom right-hand corner of the screen, you'll see a prayer tab. And uh, we really want to be praying for you any way we can. Uh, please post to that. I can assure you that it's private, it's secure, it only goes to one source, it's not shared or broadcast in any way, but uh, we want to know how we can be praying for you. If you'd like for uh, Richard, myself, somebody to reach out to you, you know, let us know, we'll get back with you immediately and be a blessing in any way we can. So uh, if you have been with us on Wednesday nights online, uh, we are going through Hebrews and what we call an expository manner. Uh, basically a fancy word for verse by verse and brother brad and i have been alternating uh, just breaking down the word of god through hebrews and finding christ within the scriptures in every way we can so uh let me uh, pray real quick again for tonight and we'll we'll jump in to uh, hebrews chapter 2 and pick up where we left off father again we ask that you be with us tonight and anoint your word just help it speak to our hearts and uh, just help us to continue to grow in our faith in christ's name amen Last week, we, uh, we finished up with uh, verse 12, and we talked about the importance of the church and the difference between the, the calling of the church and the ecclesia, the church body as a whole, the body of Christ, last week. So we're just going to jump down two verses, and I want to look at verses 14 and 15 tonight. And, and these are interesting passages of scriptures uh, that the author of Hebrews because he uses these to, uh, to make a distinguishing difference between Christ and then it, he involves angels and man and the role that that plays, that Christ works through that. So in doing so, the author gives us two illustrations or two references that I want to look at this evening and point out. So to do that, let's go again here in Hebrews chapter 2. So if you would, read with me in uh, verses 14 uh, and 15. It says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Now this is a very powerful passage I, I, I love this i love the book of hebrews but these two verses are, are a couple of my favorite verses because it so embodies the gospel here in the book of hebrews and, and so many times you look through scripture like this as you're reading the the word of god and going the the gospel is is you know built in needless to say throughout scriptures and this is one of these passages that brings the gospel to the surface so I want to break this down a little bit. We're going to see four things to me. This is just me, not saying they're doctrinal. These are just four truths that jump out to me in these two verses that I want to share. And you may be able to discern another truth or two within that. But I think these two really jump out in light of the gospel. So going back through the scripture here, the first one being dealing with, he says, since saying since ever so he's bringing attention 
to the context of the passage here in chapter 2 as a whole. Since therefore the children, now who are the children? Yeah, those, that'd be us. These are God's children. You and I, those that have accepted Christ, those that have been engrafted and through the redeeming work of God. So since therefore the children, us, share in what? Flesh and blood. There's points to this. It says he, who's he? Yeah, that's Jesus. He, Jesus, himself, likewise, likewise partook of the what? And what are the same things? Say flesh and blood. He embodied and took upon himself the very thing, the very thing that we are. Now, if you look at this, if, if you go back, and it goes on to say, uh, uh, if you go back to verse 13, uh, Behold, in all the children which have God given me, uh, it goes down here, he talks about angels, but what he points out there in the scriptures and the verses there, he doesn't connect himself with the angels. And, and we need to gather a truth in that because there's a reason he doesn't. So look at Hebrews, Mark, can you pull up or can you pull up a scripture or not? Okay. Uh, Hebrews 2.16, if you'll, if you'll read that, if you have your tablet, your Bible with you, it says, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham, the seed of men. This verse gives us a reason why God did not provide a means of salvation for angels or through angels. Angels have nothing to do with our salvation. And Christ did not connect himself to the angels on our behalf. Now, we know how prevalent God used angels in our life. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us, you know, be cautious lest you entertain angels unaware. Rest assured, there's angels. If you're a child of God, there are angels interacting in your life nonstop. Remember, we fight not against flesh and blood. We fight against spiritual powers of darkness and wickedness. I'm misquoting that, but that are ever around us. So it's not so much the flesh that they're fighting. It's a spiritual battle that's ever-present over us. And so the angels are, are very active in our lives. God uses angels you know, very much so in our life, but not for salvation. Not for salvation. The point being, God took the nature of fallen men, not fallen angels. The nature of angels is such that it would be impossible for God to work out a system of atonement for them. Seeing their sin was what? Many of y'all probably know this. Well, you know, why would he not? Why could he not work out his redemptive work through angels? Okay, because their sin. Now we're both fallen, not all the angels, but a third of the angels are they not fallen like men? They have fallen from heaven. We have fallen to our sin, our sin nature. Seeing their sin was committed in the very presence of God. Now we know what sin is as humans. There's no doubt. We know what sin is. Angels, what we don't know that the angels know, we sin in ignorance. 
While we know what sin is, we sin with ignorance because we cannot grasp the eternality of God. We don't even know what you know, we feel. We can experience the presence of God through the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. But understand the angels were in the physical presence of God. They have seen heaven. They've seen the triune Godhead. They've seen eternity, you know, past compared to us, the first creation. So their sin was with great light. They sinned in the very, it, it would be like maybe a poor analogy. It'd be your mom said, don't get cookies out of the cookie jar. I'm cooking dinner. And right there with your mom just standing right beside you in the cookie jar, looking right at you, you just open the cookie jar and get a cookie out. Now, if your brother or sister came in, mom wasn't there or dad's there, and maybe something's in the oven, they're younger, and they're like, ah, I'm going to go ahead and get a cookie and pass on through. They could have the same rule, can they not? Don't eat cookies while dinner's being cooked. But wouldn't you think mom would have a little more lenience on the one that kind of forgot just skipping through the kitchen than the one that stood right there and looked her right in the eye and got a cookie out of the cookie jar? You'd be a little bit more upset with the other one. Now, maybe that's a poor analogy. But in a sense, the angel sinned in the very presence of God. And so, thus, there's no redemptive work, per se, for the angels. The fallen angels have no hope of redemption, of salvation. Because their sin was so great. We see that in, in uh, if you want to look at First Peter, kind of tough. I know we can't put it on the screen. You got it? Oh, thank you. First Peter 12. First uh, Peter, I think it's First Peter 1, 12. It says, unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us by they did minister these things, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from, I'll see, heaven, which things the angels, what? Desired to look into. So keep in mind, so that the angels are well aware of what Christ has done. The angels are still in heaven. They, they understand that, that Christ has stepped out of the Godhead and stepped out of spirit and became flesh. They're seeing Christ now in his resurrected body in heaven. They're, they're, they're seeing all this. Probably have knowledge of the, I'm assuming, I'm not wanting to add to the scriptures. This is my mind wandering. You know, they have great, I think, understanding of the process of salvation. But they've never sinned. They can't wrap their minds around what salvation's needed for. And so they're in awe of it. They're, they look into it. This word look into is a Greek word, parakaputo. I think I pronounced that right. But it's a Greek word. It means to stoop down to look into better. That's how the Greeks use the word. So they use this word parakaputo. It means like you come to something, it's like, wow, I want to get a closer look at that. It's like, wow, what is this? You know, if you go and, and look at, in, uh, was, I think it's Exodus 25. I may have that wrong. Exodus 25, uh, we, we see the imagery by the, the Word of God that describes the Ark of the Covenant. 
and it describes the two cherubims that are on top of the Ark of the Covenant, and they're hovering over, which the Ark of the Covenant Covenant pictures the mercy seat. So they're looking down, and the angels are looking into the mercy seat. So we can take some liberty to think they're looking in upon this mercy seat with awe. Cher, you know, Keraputo, you know, if I'm pronouncing it right. So the reason angels look into salvation, even though they don't understand salvation, is because the fallen angels have no hope of it. Because, again, they sinned in the very presence of God, unlike man who sinned in ignorance. So it says here, Since therefore the children, us, the children of God, share in flesh and blood, he being Jesus, there himself likewise partook of the same things, the same flesh and blood that we wore. And, and this is important here. Oh, what am I doing here? It's number one. The truth that jumps out here is we are human. Thus Christ became human for us. Right there. He stepped out of eternity past. He stepped out of spirit. He became the very flesh and blood for a very important reason like his own creation so it goes on to say here so we'll continue on just to have clarity we'll pick another color here so it goes on to number two number two being that through what death he might do a very important thing a critical thing for us he does what we can't do can we overcome our own sin can we uh, you know, can, can, we, can we make spiritual wrongs right by our flesh in the sense of sin? Once we sin, we're a sinner. We can't unsin. We can seek repentance. We can seek the Father's forgiveness and, and long-suffering for us. But once we have wronged and we have erred against God, we, we uh, became carnal. You know, the carnality talks about in 1 Corinthians, I believe, 9. Paul talks about the carnal Christian. Every time we act against the Word of God, it's an it's a act of carnality towards the Word of God. Once we do that, we have, like the angels, put ourselves in a hopeless state. Now, it doesn't have the severity of the angels because we're not in the presence of God. God knows what He's dealing with. He created us. He knows our flesh. He knows that in spite of or despite the Scriptures, we still have great limited knowledge and understanding. And thus we easily stumble, we easily fall in the flesh. So that through death he might destroy the one, that one is who? The devil. And what does the devil possess? And that's the power of death through sin over us by bondage, by spiritual slavery. We, we shackle ourselves in the sin. And this is the power of two. So number two, well, one, we are human, thus he became human. Two, he, being Christ, died so we can what? 
so we can live. Without his death, do we have life? Now, without his death, then we just get death. We succumb and we're destroyed by our sins, by Satan's temptations, by the sin we take on. We have brought death upon our soul by our own choosing, not by God. So continuing on here, number three, what jumps out to me is the fact it told, you know, power of death, it is the devil, to deliver all those. Who would all those be? Ah, we're back to us, the sinner. Us, the sinner. You can read that. I don't even know what that's looking like on the screen. My handwriting's not big enough. Who through the fears we face in life of death that we face were subject by our action to lifelong Slavery. So number three, point being, is that by his death and resurrection, I'll shorten that, by his life, by his resurrection, that I can't read my notes here, he conquered death. He conquered what we could not conquer. He overcame what we could not overcome. We could not overcome our sin. We could not overcome the death that we were facing, that we had to deal with. And through that. So really, I would say there's three there. You can really, sometimes you can break it down to the fourth that, that you know, he'll deliver us, you know, through, you know, his work, his redemptive work that overcomes our fear of death, meaning that we know, according to Hebrews 9, can you do Hebrews 9, 22 for me, Mark? There you go. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So why he purposely stepped out of heaven, and there's a purposeful reason why he became the same things that we are, his own very creation became the flesh and the blood that he created for the fact that blood had to be shed. How do we know that? And that blood would bring about death. Romans 6.23 tells us. For the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin. Something eternal is going to have to be given up for the eternality of our sin. Our sin's not temporal. Our sin's eternal. It has eternal consequences in and of itself. And those consequences are eternal death, eternal separation from God. And so Christ steps out of spirit, steps into the very form of his own creation, and the very flesh and blood that he is going to sacrifice on the cross and spill his blood. And the scriptures tell us that God is going to scoop up the blood and place it on the mercy seat of Christ that the ark, you know, illustrates. And that work and that work alone, it's the blood of Christ that redeems us and brings about remissions of our sins and breaks us from the bondage, from the slavery that we bring upon ourselves. So all that is just unfolded in these two little scriptures here. And like I said, I'm sure there's, there's other truths in here. Needless to say, that maybe jump out at you, and we'll bring that up in a second. But we know these three things 
Christ worked in a miraculous way. And it wasn't just like, oh, this would be a cool way to do it. No, it was the only way it could be done. And he purposely became the seed of Abraham, becoming the seed of man, the creation to do what only he can do, destroy the one that had the power of death. Uh, what is this? First Corinthians, uh, I may be wrong. First Corinthians, oh, oh, oh death, where is your sting? When Christ, through the death, burial, and resurrection, took away the sting of death, that now that leads us that although we deserve death, by God's grace and mercy, only thing life does is usher us into our glorification in Christ. Why it started the day you got saved, we get ushered into it by the transition from a physical life to an eternal life. Thus, death wears your sting. Oh, I've seen loved ones that had a painful death. Well, first of all, the scriptures aren't talking about our physical death through car wrecks or cancer or disease. He's talking about spiritual death. And I've had my father die of cancer. I've had family members, you know, three or four that have died of cancer. It is an ugly disease. My father struggled with it for a year and a half trying to fight it, and it overcame it was hard to see him suffer like that and go through that. But when we're talking about transitioning from our sin-filled life and the death that we had without Christ, that by Christ's redemptive work, that transition, if it takes place over a year and a half of the pain of cancer, it pales in comparison to the glory we have. And God's not even talking about our physical suffering. He's talking about our spiritual suffering. And so there is no spiritual suffering. You can go through the pains of cancer and still live out a year and a half with joy and peace, can you not? You can have pain and still have joy and peace. And this is what God's talking about, and this is what Hebrews 14 and 15 describes for us, why Christ took this on purposefully. If we're going to talk about pain that was endured, what did Christ endure? The physical, from, from, from the get-go, from the garden, well, really his whole ministry, the ridicule, the attack that he went through. But when you narrow it down to the witching hour, start with the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's praying droplets of blood from his forehead, I think that might be the greatest medical diagnosis of anxiety if you're praying droplets of blood. I think that would qualify as anxiety or stress. And so Christ endured the very pain that we endured through this life. And then we know it was only magnified through that, through the beatings and the crown of thorns and the crucifixion itself. So I just thought these three things really jump out. We are human, thus he became human. He died so we can live. And by his death and resurrection, he conquered death. He destroyed the destroyer himself. For there is no sting. Satan has no authority, has no power. Overcome. And looking at these verses, does anything additional jump out or any thoughts come to mind? Nobody? <laughs> 
It's pretty simple, straight to the point. I just wanted to look at those, you know, delve into those two verses. I, I think they just speak so much to God's redemptive work in our lives and, uh, and, and the, the, the power, the purpose that was behind it because uh, it, it, it was purposeful, and very meaningful, very powerful of why he chose that and why he took this path to bring us our eternal life. Amen? All right. We'll close in Scripture. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this truth. It's short, sweet, to the point. But, Father, allows us just to see the magnitude of your word. The power is a, is a gospel. is just unveiled to us through these two little verses here. And uh, though little, they're beyond powerful to illustrate your love for us and, uh, and our need for the gospel and, and uh, the acknowledgement of our need for it that uh, we are bound to, to slavery, to the bondage that uh, sin and, uh, to a degree, Satan brings upon us. Uh, these things that destroy our lives spiritually. But, Father, through you and uh, through your grace and mercy that offers us repentance uh, beyond our salvation, it just brings us into a continual fellowship with you and uh, that we can just grow in, the, again, your grace and your favor. And, Father, that uh, we can just hold to such a truth like this and, and take the magnitude of it and make sure that uh, we're walking it out in our faith walk, uh, sharing it with the hope that we have through it that can be a blessing to others. Uh, we thank you for the church. We thank you for the work you're doing through it. Just ask for your favor and protection upon your spirit. And guide us through this week and lead us back into worship uh, of you Sunday. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Again, if you have any questions, uh, Richard is uh, there online, and uh, we'll love to be a blessing to you. And if we don't see you in person Sunday, hopefully we'll see you again online. So I hope you have a blessed evening, and uh, good night.